Our reading today is Ruth chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grains behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work with me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people who did not know you before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. 
Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, even, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I once had a conversation with someone who had just experienced a significant trauma in her life. She didn't yet know God, but she had been struck by the number of connected things that occurred in the week following the traumatic event. There appeared to be a lot of coincidences that seemed to help her process what had happened. And then following these seemingly insignificant but connected experiences, she saw a double rainbow. She was starting to wonder if there was something or someone helping her through this trauma. Last week, we met some of the characters in Ruth's story, Elimelech, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. This week, as the first verse of our passage previews, we will meet Boaz. But we'll also learn more about the character of the one working behind the scenes, God. Today is a story about grace. Firstly, God shows amazing grace. There is a Hebrew word that is used throughout this whole book. It is hesed. And whilst it's hard to define in English, it reflects God's grace, his kindness, his covenant favor, his faithful love. Hesed is not just an abstract feeling or emotion, but always involves practical action on behalf of another. Theologian John Oswald described hesed as a completely undeserved kindness and generosity. The initial grace that God extends to Ruth and Naomi was established generations prior in the law of Moses. We read in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor, and for the foreigner residing among you, I am the Lord your God. God ensures that a welfare system is set up for his people. In a subsistence economy, he provides for those who are not able to provide for themselves. Although notice, it's not a direct handout. The foreigners and poor actually still have to work for it to get the food that they need. God's grace through the law was also evident in the establishment of the guardian redeemer, 
recorded in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 33 to 55. This law tasks close relatives, the guardian redeemer, with bringing back mortgage plan property, with buying back mortgage plan property, freeing relatives from debt slavery, and basically getting family members out of trouble. This reflects God's own rescue of Israel on many occasions, both prior to and following this story in history. In Isaiah 43, we read, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Of course, it is also a foreshadow of the work of Christ, the final redeemer of God's people. We'll see more of what this guardian redeemer position that Boaz Boaz has meant for Ruth in the next couple of weeks. We read in verse 3 that it turned out that Ruth worked in a field belonging to Boaz. There would have been many fields in the area spread out like a patchwork quilt of unmarked plots. This appeared to be a happenstance, a coincidence, that she would pick the field belonging to Boaz, a relative of Elimelech. Ruth certainly wouldn't have understood the significance of this, and she would have had no idea who Boaz was. Verse 4 continues the happenstances, where Boaz just happens to turn up at the same time as Ruth. It is because of God's amazing grace that Boaz can give a blessing to Ruth in verse 12 that is the key verse of the whole book of Ruth. In this verse, Boaz says to Ruth, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth had just referred to herself as a foreigner, but here Boaz is identifying her with the father of the faithful through the Abrahamic covenant. Recognizing her loyalty to Naomi and Naomi's God in leaving her country and home to come to an unknown land, Boaz prays that she will experience the full blessing of Abraham's faithful God, who by his grace provides refuge for all who come to him. Throughout the Old Testament, the eagle is used as an image of God's power being utilized for the protection and nurturing care of his people. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 11 to 12, Moses describes God's care of Israel as like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. And in relation to God's deliverance of his people from Egypt, God says in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God's wings symbolize the power of the grace that Ruth is experiencing in protection and provision. This imagery reminds us that God is the main character in this story, and it is only by his grace that any of these things are happening. 
But the image also reminds us that God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. God had made a covenant with his people that he would be their God and they would be his people. This was a unilateral covenant by, in its origin. The sovereign God bound himself to his people, indicating his faithfulness. But in response to such a covenant, God requires the faithfulness of his people. His subsequent blessing corresponds with their obedience. Hence the removal of his blessing when they disobeyed him, as in the time of the judges. But it's not just God who shows amazing grace in this story. Boaz is a rich man with many employees and as a result is probably very busy, particularly at this pressure time of harvest. For us city dwellers, a bit of farming background might be helpful here. The annual harvest usually took place in April for barley and May for wheat. The steps of the harvest were firstly cutting the grain stalks, usually done by men, with scythes or sickles and piling them along the edge of the field. Then tying the reaped grain into bundles, which was usually done by women, to ready it for transporting to the threshing floor by donkeys or carts. At this point, it was possible to glean the grain stalks left behind after the men and women had finished. Then there was threshing, that is separating the husk from the grain, which required either beating the husks with a stick or using a toothed threshing sledge or crushing the husk under cattle hooves or the wheels of carts. Then there was winnowing by throwing the threshed grain into the air with a special long-handled fork, using the wind to blow the husk again while the grain falls to the ground. Then sifting, removing any remain, uh, remaining unwanted matter from the winnowed grain. And then bagging, readying the grain for transport to the city to be consumed, sold, or bartered. The cutting, bundling, and gleaning could all be happening simultaneously as in our story. As we learned last week during the time of the judges, Israel had turned from God, and so we wouldn't be expecting many to still adhere to the law. The fact that the poor could glean in Boaz's field is an early indicator that he was a man of God and not someone who had been swayed by the cultural norms of the time. But Boaz also showed unexpected kindness rather than mere grudging legalism. In verse 5, he notices Ruth. In verse 8, he invites her to stay. In verse 9, he offers protection. It's likely that something has already happened to Ruth, and so he seeks her ongoing protection. In verse 9, he offers her water. Verse 14, she has bread and wine vinegar with the boss. In verse 16, he asks his employees to pull out stalks for her. And in verse 21, we hear that he also asked her to continue to glean in the wheat harvest as well. Boaz doesn't tell Ruth that he's asked his employees to pull out stalks for her to collect. He didn't do this to impress her or gain recognition. But instead, he clearly cares for her well-being. 
He also didn't want her to feel that she was getting charity so that she didn't feel uncomfortable or embarrassed. He was considerate and respectful of her. As we meet Boaz, we also learn about his character through his role as an employer. Boaz greets his employees by seeking God's blessing on them. This appeared to be a natural way of being for him and shows that his relationship with God was part of his everyday life, not just when he worshiped. Boaz is an encourager. In verse 12, he first commends Ruth's character and then blesses her. He shows Ruth respect. He seeks to protect her and he is willing to provide for her. Boaz's life reflects both his obedience to the law and his understanding of hesed. Because God is his covenant God, God's law is his way of life. His provision for the poor and needy, his care for his employees, his seeking of God's blessing on others, all show that he is a man of godly integrity. He doesn't just keep the letter of the law. He heaps blessings on those around him with generosity of heart. But Ruth doesn't recognize the extent of Boaz's grace, but Naomi picks it up straight away. She sees that Boaz has not abandoned God because he is reflecting hesed, God's covenant love, in the way he is providing for Ruth and Naomi. We've seen God and Boaz showing amazing grace to Ruth and by extension Naomi. But how does this impact us? Does God show his grace to us? By God's grace, we have a relationship with him and we have been saved from the perpetual failings of humankind in the way we relate to God. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are people of the new covenant. God's hesed has also been poured out on us through Jesus, our guardian redeemer. In Galatians 3 verses 13 to 14, we read, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. God's loving kindness has been poured out on us too, and we can see his faithfulness in keeping his covenant, even at the cost of the death of his own son. So God's grace has us sorted for eternity. But like Ruth, we see glimpses of his grace in the everyday. Like my friend who experienced all the coincidences following her traumatic experience, we often experience God's providence, his divine arrangement of circumstances and events in our lives to fulfill his good purposes for us. As John Flavel, the English Puritan, once said, the providences of God are like Hebrew words. They can only be read properly backwards. Like Ruth, 
we will often be unaware of how God is working at the time. But it is in hindsight that we see how he has knit things together such that he might be glorified. In seeing God's grace and has said directly and through Boaz to Ruth, and also his grace as shown to us, how do we respond? God's covenant love demands a response. In accepting God's grace, we cannot fail to want to share his hesed with others. But how far do we stretch this? Well, in James chapter 1, verse 27, we read, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. How are we as individuals and as a church doing with this? Just like Boaz didn't seek to get the credit for his additional care of Ruth, so Jesus exhorted his disciples to give in such a way that the right hand does not know what the left hand is doing. We give humbly, generously, without telling everyone else all about it and lauding our own behavior. In today's story, we also see how Hesed is shown in the workplace. Like Boaz, good employers use the resources God has given them in a wise and generous manner. How do we show consideration for our employees beyond our legal obligations? One of the ways in which I've seen this happen recently is in a number of companies who are recognizing that their employees are struggling through lockdown and have provided half a day a week for employees to use as they wish, spending time with kids, gardening, sleeping, working if they want. There's also been a move towards companies not just seeing profit as the objective, but recognizing social responsibility with that. Many companies tick the box to comply, but as Christians, we have an opportunity to genuinely engage with this endeavor. God has shown us the most incredible grace. It's hard to comprehend the depth of his hesed, his commitment to his covenant love. As we finish, let's reflect on God's generosity, compassion, and mercy, and worship him, as I read for us a poem written by Paul Tripp. What did I bring to your salvation table I had no righteousness to offer, no strength to give, no wisdom to present. There was nothing that I could deliver that would commend me to you. I crawled broken to your table, weighed down and rippled by my sin, my guilt, my weakness, my foolishness, my pride, my shame. I had no right to be with you, but you picked me up and placed me there. You fed me the life-giving nutrients of grace with your nail-scarred hands, and I haven't left your table of mercy since. 
Well, let us pray the prayer from the E! News this week from our prayer book. O oh God, your Son has taught us that those who give a cup of water in his name will not lose their reward. Open our eyes to see those who are in need and teach us to set no store by riches and earthly rewards so that in surrendering ourselves to serve you and your children, we may labor for the treasure that endures. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen.